Hey, Ronnie Reagan, I'm black and I'm pagan, I'm gay and I'm left and I'm free. I'm an unfundamentalist, environmentalist. Don't bother me. You're so cool playing poker with debt as the joker. You've nerve, but you don't assure us. With your paranoid vistas of mad sandinistas and the way you're defending Honduras. A few lines from Christy Moore's Hey Ronnie Reagan released to mark a previous presidential visit. Uh, we've obviously been talking a lot already today on the show about Donald Trump's forthcoming visit this week, where he'll be staying in Dunbeg, the meeting with Leo Varadkar, some of the reaction locally and more broadly. Uh, but in some ways, the mixed reactions are sort of reminiscent of previous US presidential visits, in particular those of Richard Nixon and indeed uh, Ronnie Reagan. And Donald Fallon is here with his hidden histories uh, to tell us why. Uh, Donald, good afternoon. I suppose we should probably set out again by stressing that we shouldn't underestimate the importance of an Irish visit to a US president Absolutely. because they don't really come ten a penny and you know Ireland does remain very very important in American politics and I think the point about Irish America that, that, that matters you know maybe it's a few generations removed now from you know Tammany Hall and first generation mm. uh, diaspora but there's still a very real sense of belonging you know and a real sense of connection with this country uh, in America and the power of Irish America has made itself felt in, in recent times too not just distant history you know the 1990s the days of the Good Friday Agreement that was a very very mm. important group in the, in, in, in the US and any US president would do well to make a visit to Ireland in some capacity while you're in office and this goes right back I mean the founding fathers of the United States George Washington on his first St. Patrick's Day in the job you know too drunk to stand but he said Irish men your cause is ours and he meant it Was, was the current of that slightly diluted by the fact that he was too drunk to stand up. <laughs> British politicians, wise British politicians, a very rare commodity these days, but you know, Winston Churchill, for example, mm. he understood that Anglo-American relations would never be normal. They would always be tense as long as the Irish question uh, was there. Such was okay. the emotional power of this little island uh, over Americans. So Trump isn't the first and he's definitely not the last American president that will set foot on Irish soil. Um, I suppose the reason why we get slightly blasé about it though is because they, they have become relatively common but that only goes to, to remind you that the first visit you know after two centuries of such strong links between the two countries the first visit didn't come until the 1960s It's quite extraordinary 1963 John F. Kennedy and it's a massive massive event it's one of the first real televised events uh, in Ireland and you know it became a rite of passage afterwards but the Kennedy visit you know there was just total euphoria on the streets here especially down in New Ross the banners are beautiful they just said welcome home and that visit was full of these really powerful kind of significant symbolic moments he lays a wreath at Arbor Hill uh, at the grave of the 1916 leaders. Many people kind of regarded that as a, a validation, if you will, of Ireland's revolutionary history yeah. and the struggle for the leader of the free world standing at the grave of, of Patrick Pierce was quite extraordinary. And Irish-American relations, you know, in the decades before JFK came here were absolutely in tatters. I mean, the Americans thought very little of our neutrality uh, in the Second World War. Mm. But it seemed that bringing Kennedy here fixed an awful lot of that. And he gave this remarkable speech uh, in the doll, which we'll hear a little bit of. Ireland has already set an example and a standard for other small nations to follow. This has never been a rich or powerful country. And yet, since earliest times, its influence on the world has been rich and powerful. No larger nation did more to keep Christianity and Western culture alive in their darkest centuries. No larger nation did more to spark the cause of American independence and independence indeed around the world. And no larger nation has ever provided the world with more literary or artistic genius.
Uh, JFK speaking in the Dáil on the first instance in which there were ever any microphones or any broadcasting equipment yes. ever introduced uh, into the, the chambers of Leinster House, which is something that was still thorny for, for many decades mm. afterwards. Mm. Um, so anyway, we all uh, know a lot about the JFK and you, Ross, and all of that. More lacklustre, though, was the visit of Richard Nixon, which most people forget even ever took place. <laughs> Apparently people lived through it and didn't know it happened. You know, seven <laughs> short years later, Nixon uh, arrives into Ireland. And I mean, the, the visit was intended to be as powerful as that of JFK, so they mm. they kind of they try and mimic as much of, of it as they can. So you know you know you get the thirty seventh US president arriving in a village in rural Ireland and you know acknowledging his heritage. And the Irish Independent report they say Hodgestown Timahoe, just a few miles from Nace, was elevated from rural obscurity to international attention for a surreal three quarters of an hour as Richard Nixon, thirty seventh president of the United States, and arguably its most controversial, mm. embraced his roots with awkward enthusiasm. It really was the money goal of its day, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> now, of course, this being a slightly different time that there wasn't as much of a feel-good factor anymore Vietnam was, was raging and, and there were some protests Nixon was kind of mutant ones deep into the disastrous war uh, in Vietnam and actually when you look at who came over with him his party included National Security Advisor Henry Kissinger and I mean the fundamental difference between the visit of Nixon and Kennedy was was the presence of protesters the idea mm. of protesting Kennedy no one was going to do that but you know not in particularly large numbers when Nixon comes here but they're still there and they're driven largely I think by opposition to what's happening uh, in Vietnam and they saw an opportunity and they took it as Nixon's car was coming through the streets of Dublin uh, near Dame Street, Lord Edward Street there by Christchurch mm. Cathedral. It's met by this barrage of eggs, uh, one of which <laughs> strikes the front of the vehicle. Yeah. And I remember talking to someone that was that was there on the day, just watching Nixon and seeing these eggs go. And said the guards realised what was happening and they started battening the pockets of young people, you know, in case there are any more eggs. The milkshakes of their day. The milkshakes yeah. of the day, exactly. But it was a damn squib, you know, compared to the visit uh, of Kennedy. And I think maybe I mean, Kennedy was an Irish Catholic Democrat mm. in contrast to an American Quaker Republican. Yeah. You know, it all felt a little bit more forced uh, when Reagan was here. And religion may have been a factor later on too when Reagan comes here yes. uh, in, in 1984 because what's incredible about the protests then, they're a lot bigger, but who's centrally involved in them? The Catholic Church, you know, priests at a local level, all the way up to church hierarchy, right, right the way through the bishops. Mm. Reagan's actions in kind of Central and Latin America, where you know a number of politically active Catholic priests and nuns had, had, had lost their lives at the hands of kind of you know forces supported by uh, okay. the US, really alienated the Catholic Church from him. Here, now, Oscar Romero, the, the Archbishop of San Salvador, yeah, yeah. was actually assassinated while offering mass uh, in, in in 1980. So there's real anger in the Catholic Church yeah. at you know Reagan's policy in in Latin America when he arrives. Yeah. So then you have this this bizarre notion where, you know, albeit a man of a different faith, but that Reagan, when he comes, is actually confronted by priests and nuns <laughs> yeah. themselves. Not, not, often, not often found, you know, on the barricades. No. But like Reagan is also a superstar, you know, when he, when he when he, even before he takes the office of US president, he's a name that everyone knows. I mean, he holds the office from 81 to 89, through yeah. very dramatic years. And, you know, he's an elderly man. It's, he's born 70 years before his president. Now, I know Trump is in his 70s. Yeah. And Sanders is well into uh, his 70s. Mm. But at the time, you know, people thought, God, this guy's quite old. Uh, he fought off Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter described Reagan as a dangerous right-wing radical during the 1980 uh, <laughs> wow. election in America. And one of the slogans that Reagan pushed remarkably was, let's make America great again. And that slogan was on posters, it was yeah. on badges, and it never appeared on a, on a, on a, on a red hat. No. But, you know, Reagan was a particularly divisive figure in America and for very different reasons uh, in Ireland. Uh, now, his proximity, though, to Margaret Thatcher was another factor that influenced all of this because he was friendly with Thatcher and Thatcher was hardly a, a figure of popular popularity. In early 1980s yeah. Ireland, no, she wasn't. I mean, and, and, and the Iron Lady described Reagan as the second most important man in my life. Reagan would jokingly refer to her as the best man in England. You know, but... <laughs> 
right. Thatcher later maintained that Reagan won the Cold War without firing without firing a shot. Yeah. And I mean, it was it was a, a, a very complicated relationship, Reagan and Thatcher. I think it was difficult for Reagan in the United States of America, where you had such a massive Irish bloc, say yeah. during the nineteen eighty one hunger strikes. And Reagan personally warned Thatcher that quote, "You're in danger of losing the media campaign." Uh, here in the United States. But I think the fact Reagan was so closely aligned to Thatcher affected how sections of Irish society yeah. would have viewed the president. Uh, there were a couple of high-profile luminaries involved in those protests uh, 25 years ago. In fact, 25 years ago this weekend, uh, 1st of June 1984, uh, two people who people would, would now know as household names yeah. who were involved in those protests. There's about Tell 500 people at Shannon Airport. They march onto the airport when Reagan gets here, including Michael D. Higgins. And Michael D. condemned what he saw as kind of American interference in Nicaragua. Yeah. And as well as the now president of Ireland there was the then president of the Union of Students in Ireland okay. a broadcaster called Joe Duffy yeah. uh, and Joe Duffy spoke to the crowd as well so I mean yeah again the numbers aren't massive mm. but the idea of 500 people you know, waiting at Shannon Airport to boo an American president yeah. is just extraordinary in itself and we must make sure that we keep an eye on what Sheena Cahill is up to this weekend she's a regular panelist here and on the record she holds that <laughs> office now and we'll have to make sure that she doesn't uh, sully her bib for some political future decades down the line um, tell us about uh, Reagan's speeches and, and the sort of stuff that he told us when he was here look, when Barack Obama came here, I thought his speeches were a mix of kind of paddywhackery and, you know, serious political points. Remember one of the first things he said is, my name is Barack Obama and I've come to find the long lost apostrophe in the name Obama and everyone cringed. But then he went on and gave a very real speech about Frederick Douglass, Daniel O'Connell. Reagan was much the same. I mean, when he arrives, his initial speech, he gives a radio address that begins with the words, top of the morning. And he goes on to describe Ireland as a place as kind as it is green, the greenest place I've ever seen, whatever. But then it gets much realer. You know, he's down in Ballyporeen. We heard Christy singing about that earlier yeah. on this little Tipperary village uh, of a few hundred people and he gives a speech there that's quite powerful you know he says from the time of our revolution when Irishmen filled the ranks of the Continental Army to the building of the railroads to the cultural contribution of individuals like the magnificent tenor John McCormack and the athletic achievements of the great boxing champion John L. Sullivan all of these people are part of a great Irish legacy in America and you know some of what Reagan did Obama would later do. You know, he had a mm. pint of Smiddick's uh, in O'Farrell's pub, mm. Secret Service agent had to try it first. And they later actually <laughs> shipped that pub's interior off piece by piece to America. Apparently, the it's, whole in the, interior. it's in the Ronald Reagan Presidential Museum and Library uh, in California today. So if right. anyone from Ballyporeen has a longing for a pint in O'Farrell's pub, you right. only have to go across to California to have it. But in Dublin, there were tricky moments. I mean, the New York Times report about this demo on the streets of Dublin. A downtown march led by nuns from the Dublin-based sister Sisters for Justice Convent. They carried a coffin inscribed with the names of three American nuns slain alongside a Catholic lay worker by National Guardsmen in El Salvador four years ago. Okay, we, we mentioned Michael D. Higgins uh, a few minutes ago, but there were some other TDs who also made their mark because when Ronald Reagan was addressing uh, the Dáil in Enster House, not every TD wanted to be there. No, Prunchius de Rossa, of course, went on to, to, to join the Labour Party. Mm. Um, Tomás Magilla, they were both in the Workers' Party at the time, and, 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 and Tony Gregory all walk out of the Dáil during Reagan's speech. And, and Reagan didn't ignore them. You know, Reagan was a very controversial figure, a very confrontational figure, I should say. He actually commented on the fact that they upped uh, and left. And his speech, you know, it, I think his speech was aimed as much at Downing Street uh, as it was anyone in Dublin. You know, he touched on the North, he rebuffed sections of Irish America, and, and Thatcher was very pleased by it. You know, he said the trouble in the North affects more than just these two great isles. 
Uh, in America, in March, your Prime Minister courageously denounced the support a tiny number of misguided Americans give to terrorist groups. I join him in that denunciation, as do the vast majority mm. of Irish Americans. So uh, Reagan, you know, he played it very well, yeah. as much for Downing Street as for anyone in Leinster House. The one thing that's striking about all of these and the protests that you've been talking about is that there was scant protest for, for Barack Obama, if any at all, and there was mm. none for JFK. It tends to be the case that Democrats do better then on these visits than Republicans. Why do you think that's the case? Absolutely. I mean, the foreign policy of President like Kennedy, Clinton and Obama received very scant attention when they were here. And you know, arguably, Barack Obama dropped multiple times more bombs than Donald Trump will during his time uh, in, in, in presidency. But I think Democrats are perceived as closer to Ireland, you know, personally and politically, closer to the Irish-American political bloc. And when you look at the visit of Clinton, I mean, the freedom of the city was given to him, a fundamentally important memory of modern Ireland. I think the Clinton administration, the work of Senator George Mitchell on the Good, the Good Friday Agreement, even pop culture now celebrates Clinton's visit to Ireland. Mm. I mean, it was captured, the euphoria of it was captured very beautifully yeah, uh, in, very tastefully in, in too, Derry actually, Girls. Think, yeah. Very well done, wasn't it? So Democrats traditionally, I think, just seen as closer to Ireland. And it remains to be seen how, how this Trump visit will pan out. I mean, I think it's clear in press reports that many people in that region in Clare where he's visiting, they want to separate the man you know, from his investment. They see this as a chance to highlight their own very beautiful part of the world mm. before the rest of the world. And I think, to be honest, any protests that we see are likely to be confined to Dublin and Shannon. Yeah. But, you know, Trump will likely ignore them and we've, you know, the days of anyone getting close enough to throw an egg yeah. uh, as for <laughs> Richard Nixon yeah. experienced <laughs> or, or a on James Street or, or a milkshake yeah. or anything of the kind. I think those days have passed. Uh, fascinating stuff, Donald. Uh, as ever, thanks a million for, for popping in to give us that little uh, rundown of all those previous visits. Donald Fallon is the author of the Come Here To Me blog and books, volumes one and two of which are available in all good bookshops now. That is all we've got time for today on On The Record. Huge thank you to everyone who's been texting or tweeting in and to all of you for listening and to Aidan McKell who was the producer of today's show alongside Peter Malloy on sound. To play us out today on On The Record, uh, it is the 78th birthday of Charlie Watts, the drummer of the Rolling Stones. So we're going to leave you with some of his finest work. Hopefully little Cormac Jordan will enjoy this at home and inherit his father's taste in music. From all of us here on On The Record, thanks very much for listening. Off the ball is next. Music.